Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the Sasfield Podcast, where we learned today that a small screwdriver can fix more things in your office than a large chainsaw can, mainly because the chainsaw turns most things into firewood. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I would be to be SaaS founders like you who scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business that you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. Well, way back in 1902 this week, the air conditioner was invented. Now, I have no idea how people survived without that, but somehow they did. So I hope you're staying cool and hydrated this summer. It's kind of a scorcher out there. You know, when I was a kid, I thought it was pretty awesome when I got my first set of tools. Simple things. It was a hammer, screwdriver, saw. But I could build small projects. I could do a lot of things on my own. And actually still have a, a small wooden race car that I built. Some of you might remember the Pinewood Derby. Uh, it takes you back. Uh, but my parents kept it for years and years. But a few years after I got that first set of tools, the game changed entirely. And upgrade time. And it was power tools. The projects got bigger and better and way, way faster. The only rule was that I couldn't use them when I was home alone. And I'm like, why? What could possibly go wrong? Just kidding. You know, I was not necessarily a master craftsman, but you know, tools made me 20 times better almost instantly and certainly a lot faster. So imagine a world where average isn't just average anymore. You know, a world where with the right tools, the everyday team member becomes exceptional where ordinary is transformed into the extraordinary. And that's the power of technology in the modern workplace. Hand tools to power tools. And some of those today, AI, low code, no code, bots, analytics, communication tools, remote technology reporting, dashboards, metrics, gamification. I mean, there's so many things that are available today that weren't even just a few years ago. And when we equip our teams with the right tools, the transformation is remarkable. We're not just boosting productivity. They can really reshape the entire work culture, it creates excitement, energy, and progress. Workplaces become less about clocking hours and, and doing the thing and more about fostering creativity and innovation. The quality of work doesn't just improve. I mean, it's, it skyrockets because the focus shifts from just getting the job done to making a difference and finding creative ways to do that. Kind of like when I got those power tools, it's like bigger, better, faster, and testing the limits of what was possible. The ripples of this empowerment don't just stop at productivity and quality. I mean, those are pretty cool. But the financial benefits are certainly there too. I mean, simple economics really. I mean, it's improved efficiency, means more work done in less time, which translates to cost savings. Higher quality work means happier customers, which leads to increased revenue. And uh, the big word we use for it is leverage or scale. And, and it's both of those. Most remarkable benefit of empowering those employees and the team members 
is the impact on the workforce itself. Because when your team members are empowered, they feel valued, they feel invested in, they feel heard. Uh, They get to express themselves. They get to do things that they find really interesting. And that leads to increased job satisfaction, lower turnover, higher employee engagement. You don't get the the quiet quitting or the people who are disengaged or just kind of do the minimum, which again, translates into leverage and scale. So who wins in a scenario like that? Everyone. I mean, obviously the company wins with improved output, quality, faster time to market, and financial gains. Those are all good things. Customers win with better product services and faster delivery. And most importantly, your team wins with increased job satisfaction, growth, and opportunities to make a difference. And you know, I hear that time and time again in talking with, with team members in our company and others is they really want to have that impact. That's a, a real driver today. And so when you empower them, they can deliver that. So years back, two co-founders, Mike and Scott, were running a, a support tech and dev services company. And they built an app to help them manage it all and serve their clients. So they're building software products for other people, and they built one for themselves to manage theirs. And funny enough, they named it after Godzilla. But use the Japanese word because it's it's cooler, right? Gojira. Yeah, it empowered their team for collaboration, bug tracking, issue management, and communication. And it's a hard business to be in. And revenue was inconsistent, so they started selling their internal app. And the growth of this company called Atlassian exploded. And lots of you probably use Jira and Trello today. And that innovation and the the thinking and kind of the the empowering of employees, that culture of empowered workers driving exceptional results continues today. They have a global customer base of satisfied users. We use them internally in in two companies and a multi-billion dollar organization. And what I love most is that they bootstrapped it in the beginning. Use a credit card to fund growth. You know, isn't that just awesome? But empowerment is not just a corporate buzzword. It's a transformative force that can turn the average into the outstanding, fostering a culture of excellence and and really driving exceptional results. So think about this. How are you and your team making that leap from hand tools to power tools? How are you empowering your team with creativity and innovation to do things that really make a difference for your clients? Well, if you wonder how other leaders are using power tools, connect with today's sponsor, Champion Leadership Group. It's the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and never walk alone. Unlock untapped revenue by leveraging time-tested SaaS growth principles, toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries, celebrate wins, and overcome defeats together. Prioritize strategic decisions and create profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. Learn more at championleadership.com. Well, last week on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, we talked with Carlos Antiquera, who's the CEO and co-founder at Novel Capital. It's a fintech that is changing the way startup founders grow and fund their business. He's a former exited founder himself, an angel investor today. Great insights into funding your business creatively and keeping your equity. So important to hold on to that equity for as long as possible, maybe even all the way to exit. 
Our SaaS founder on Tuesday was Kazuki Ada, Kaz Ada, CEO at Treasure Data, leading customer service data platform. He was the founding chief technology officer. Amazing story of growth and overcoming and making that shift from technical, leading technical teams and that strategy to really leading the strategy of a business and the entire company. He is you know, full of wisdom, helps us mine treasure out of our data, and the lessons and wisdom he shared were absolute gold. So incredibly talented and amazingly humble. If you missed either one of those episodes, go back and give him a listen for sure. Really good stuff there. My guest this week is Mike Ryan, the founder and CEO of SpiceX, premier low-code platform for businesses of all size. Not just the big guys, not just the little guys. They really have something for you and your company. Just like those power tools, it empowers tech and non-tech team to build custom solutions without the need for extensive coding knowledge. I can build stuff with SpiceX. Mike excels in reverse engineering his client's vision. And I think that's a real talent to get it from their head to reality. And that is significant talent. He builds future-proof workflows and automation that create a massive ROI and helps prepare clients for whatever the future brings. Welcome the guy with a software power tools workshop, Mike Ryan. Hey, Mike, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, I love the space of low-code, no-code applications. How did you come up with the idea of SpySex and what has that evolution been like? Oh, it's it's been an interesting ride, an exciting ride. You know, honestly, when I bought the company that had the underlying technology, I was going to get rid of the software development because they didn't get out much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I had adopted a legacy uh, code, uh, a legacy uh, cloud platform back in its infancy, back in the infancy of the cloud back in 2000, uh, one that shall remain nameless. Uh, (laughs) But everybody knows that they're a force to be reckoned with. But in any case, so uh, I acquired a contact center that had developed its own technology. And and as I said, it, it was one of those situations where they didn't get out much, but that was probably a good thing because they saw the problem differently and they took an approach that was very different from the mainstream. And so we've been doing, you know, integration and orchestration uh, far longer than anybody else in the business would be, be uh, blunt. So it's uh, it's quite exciting. I guess, uh, you know, kind of rolling back a little bit, one of the reasons I recognize the, the uh, platform as such an opportunity is uh, back in when I was a, a youngster, went through a situation where my dad didn't evolve with the and adapt to the marketplace. Uh, and, um, and so I've always had a keen awareness of the importance of, you know, adapting and looking forward, where are things going and, and, and what's the future look like? What's the future hold? So that's why when I started to see the approach that the team had taken and how it was so very different from its architecture, uh, I call it backends forward design, meaning they built the integration layer first, then the orchestration layer, then the present. You know, so many platforms are built uh, from I call it, you know, an eyeballs in perspective, right? Right. Where, what you want to see, and you know, then you know, three iterations, you know, all of a sudden you're you're you have a mess that's very difficult to connect with and do things with, and, and lack flexibility. So yeah, so it's been an exciting and and interesting ride. I like that you're right about those applications. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those where it looks really good on the front and like, well, what does this do? Well, it doesn't do anything yet, but right. yeah, it will. Right. Yeah, don't ignore that button up- for now. Yep. 
you know, there, there's there's tools and there's platforms. Right. Tools can't become platforms, but platforms you can build tools on. Interesting. Um, you know, and, 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 and in our case, you know, we call them recipes, uh, you know, vertical specific solutions or recipes for specific use cases that then you can expand on because you have, you, know, you build out a workflow, application level code with drag and drop, which is super powerful today, not, you know, especially today uh, in the day of, of AI and all that's happening with that, giving us the ability to do some really interesting things with our clients and, and our clients to disrupt industries. So, so how does uh, that work? How do the, the recipes work in the platform? Sure. Sure. Well, maybe it starts with, you know, I, I'd always describe what is spice and where does it fit, right? You know, I use the hand, put your hand palm up, right? And, and, and let's look at the hand and say, okay, here's all of our communication systems in an organization, right? So this is everything from, you know, phone, to video, like we're doing now, um, chat, all of those different, you know, communication things, email. Then you've got your CRM, right? And lots of those systems are connected today, sure. right? So that people would make a case, well, gosh, we're, you know, we're already doing a lot of this stuff. Great. But what about all these other systems that an organization uses, whether they be internal systems, uh, databases, order management systems, network operation centers? Again, we're a very horizontal play. We can be, we have 11 different industries, uh, building solutions on us, uh, you know, companies in different 11 different industries from insurance and healthcare to the management of, uh, of major cities and running the contact centers for them. So we sit right here in the palm. Okay. And we connect all those systems together. What happens is some of those applications, some of those solutions get folded onto us. So oftentimes people are rolling the CRM function onto us as an example, and then other functions they'll either build and that, you know, so you t again, that tool, <laughs> versus the platform, right, capability. So, you know, from there, uh, on top of our integration layer, right, where we sit amongst these systems, is this visual process development layer, where we can drag and drop and create application-level code, uh, and subject matter experts can do that. That's the true no-code nature of the platform, is, is truly, you know, drag and drop. Uh, and then the ability to also, within our integration layer, you know, place microservices. So if someone has some coding ability, they have the ability to put, you know, some, do some interesting things in that, uh, that layer as well. Well, now once you're wrangling the data and once you're wrangling the different systems and, and managing the interplay between those systems and how they communicate and, and what each of them do, well, then you can present it any way you wish. And then layer on to that, you know, the, the integration, we're doing some really neat stuff now with AI, with integration with AI tools. And being able to, you know, take and generate a prompt, and, and and then supply that information in the moment of need. So some really interesting things going on at the moment. So is your background technical? Did you come from the technical side of the house? Yeah, I, I can't say that it's completely technical. <laughs> no, I'm not a coder. Okay, so so my background is not the youngest person in the world. Uh, <laughs> was a real hand, you know, hands-on up upbringing in upstate New York. Uh, combination. My dad had a farm, but he also had a car dealership. He was Chrysler Plymouth Dodge dealer. Yeah, that, and he was a Chrysler Plymouth Dodge dealer when it was great to be a Chrysler Plymouth Dodge dealer. Then through the phase of when it wasn't so great before its resurgence, and and frankly, you know, he did end up closing the business during the downturn. And that's where I referenced him not staying up with the market. You know, he stayed with, you know, the brand that was you know, the tried and true instead of looking at the, the new 
foreign cars that were coming into the market right. and all that. He had the opportunity to have those dealerships and just didn't take that opportunity. And that raised a, I think, created a heightened awareness for me. I was the only one in my family who didn't go into the car business. So I was the youngest of the family. So when I went off to college, I went into uh, engineering school, Clarkson University, and I took a, a special program they had developed. And it's now called interdisciplinary program in engineering and management. So it's half engineering, half management. It's really the entrepreneurship program uh, that Clarkson has, if you will. And I was early on in that. So coming out, I had an awareness of technology, but also the critical awareness of the impact of the technology and business and how to communicate with engineers and technologists. Nice. So, yeah, that's really good. And, and I think that's something that can really be a benefit is uh, some people look at it and say, I'm not technical. I can't, can't do this. You know, SAS isn't for me or platform wow. and others would look at it and say, well, I'm just, uh, you know, then I say just, uh, I'm a developer. I am technical and the sales and marketing stuff is, is, you know, not my thing, but it is really kind of that blend and, and accepting both of those, and it's the interplay between those two worlds that is, yeah. is where so much business. You're 100%, 100% correct in that. I, I, I believe, and I just think that that is so true. That you know, that's what is happening in you know today. Is you know, you think back, and you know, years ago, Moore's law said technology doubled every two years. Feels like right now, it's every two months. At right? least, yeah. And what that's doing is empowering, as you say, subject matter experts who may maybe not be technical to have the ability to build workflows, automations, and processes, and also allowing those technologists to gather information that would help them be more successful as well. You know, you jump onto AI and ask the right prompts and you can get some pretty interesting business advice. Yes. Yes. You know, you can jump on and, and you know, and I, I, there's there's so many cool tools out there. I will say, I think you need to be careful amongst the tools because I have a background in information security. And, you know, I think you want to understand what the who the underlying company is or organization that's that's, pro, you know, promoted this new interface to what may be. Right. You know, GPT or Google Bard or whatever. Right. Uh, those types of tools are bang, you know, all the different ones that are out there. So. Yeah, I think people need to lean in, right? Lean into experiences. I think all too often we minimize our experiences in in business or entrepreneurial people, um, people trying to do, you know, to innovate. But I think we got to learn something new when oftentimes you can look at, you know, at some historical uh, things and say, hmm, how do I apply that to where I am today? Yeah. I've seen that somewhat with uh, developers and uh, and no code applications. Just say, you know, well, that's 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 not you know real development. But as they well, hold on a second, you know, it used to be that you wrote every single line of code, and then we had these things called frameworks and libraries, and so you start calling functions. And this to me seems like it's just the next logical step in that. Instead of functions, now we've got modules or applications or, or things that are already done. Exactly. Exactly. Right. The recipes. Right. The right. utensils. One of the things, you know, we're kind of playing off this, uh, you know, spice, right? So, you know, some people think, of, you, know, if, you know, the food or the, you know, whatever area. And so, you know, having cookbooks, having recipes, having utensils, having tools that you can drag in and, and, and use. Bespoke processes, workflows, automations. So, yeah, interesting times. Yes. Amazing It makes times. a lot of sense in cooking. You know, it, you can't just go in and throw a bunch of blind ingredients together or even somebody who's right. really, really good. But you take a recipe right. 
and you follow that and you can add your own flavor in there and you can add your own spin on it, but you've got some, some basic building blocks to work with. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Powerful. Yes. Yes. So how have you seen the, the no code and low code space change over the last few years? Well, I think, you know, it's, as you say, it's it's become a very legitimate space, right. Uh, For, you know, allowing organizations to, to be disruptive and, 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 and people within those organizations, uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to, to really create great solutions for their businesses and do it quickly and not be constrained by, you know, by technical uh, debt and time. So I think those are a couple things that, that are, that are impacting our space right now. I know with us, we, uh, we just recently updated our, our UI and the power that that's provided is just, you know, taking us light years ahead. Uh, we had, you know, the most powerful workflow engine and, an integration platform, but that third layer, you know, is a little bit of a laggard. And now we've got a new UI and a new capability where we can replicate the look and feel of an existing application in minutes. And so, you know, so now you have the same application, same look and just the data, same look and feel for the, for the current user, but all that power underneath able to be, uh, be levered by the organization quickly. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. You talk about AI and uh, and the tools in there. What are your your recommended AI tools, or what do you see is is really emerging in the marketplace? Wow, you know, I, I am. Uh, it's interesting. I, I'm going to consider myself still a dabbler. I want to be careful, and before I recommend too many tools at this sure. moment, I because you know I do think that that there is. A lot happening. I will say I, I used a video tool uh, just in the last few days to take and edit content. You know, edit, take, take and, 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 and take a video of, of actually, it was actually great. It was a, it was a, a, a whiteboard session our CTO did and uploaded it into the platform. And within moments, I had content with, uh, you know, uh, captions and chapters and, and I, blew my mind and I'm in technology, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, get the phone, let's go. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> let's, let's burn some content. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of things around, you know, content management, a lot around sales, personalization, hyper-personalization, you know, it, it, those tools are going to be very interesting. I think from a, from a business uh, management, business leadership perspective, being able to bounce ideas off the tools and, uh, you know, the, the, that's certainly powerful. You know, just, uh, just recently spent some more time on, on Google's Bard, um, you know, which right now is only available to, uh, to you know, in personal uses. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see that bring forward, you know, I was again shocked at how much it knew about us. Where GPT doesn't know so much about Spice X, knew some about the you know Spice CSM, which is basically is the same company. We just rebranded to be more have a more a stronger image and and a, you know and a better logo. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, definitely you know, a memorable name. Well, it is. It's far more memorable than the CSM. What's that? Customer success management. Okay. Well, you know, CRM. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, but I think these tools are going to be, you know, they just continue to get better and better every day and evolve. And, you know, I, I think, you know, very soon I'm going to be announcing a, a Spice AI, SpaceX AI. Oh, so, that's awesome. Uh, 
capability, um, you know, leveraging some of the tools that are out there and, and really allowing people to use the tools that they find most powerful for their use case. You know, that's, again, that power of the low-code platform, the ability to connect any system and then let, and then take that workflow automation capability and, you know, gather information from one, one of these tools, run a chatbot, your own system. So I like that. So what have been the challenges in, in taking a business that, uh, that, you know, was doing one thing and then trans- transforming that into something, you know, even more? And uh, sure. where you are today, sure. you've come a long, long ways. We have. Yeah, we have. And thank you for recognizing that. It's been, it has been a very interesting journey. Um, well, you know, again, bought a call center that had built its own technology, you know, for a period of time, tried to run both of them and, and all, but then you start to realize, you know, two different, you know, yes, I could be a technology enabled center, but that would require one level of, of team and organization and, and drive, uh, or we could really take something and, and disrupt a space. And uh, so we chose to really, you know, focus on the on the technology and and build that. And it's been a been a fun ride. It's really exciting, and I'm excited about what the next few years are going to bring. So, so how do you decide to to do that? To instead of just you know push on with what you're doing, to to really go and take that next step and disrupt the space with technology. Wow. So that's a that's a good good question. I think a way it leads back to again my history. You know, my youth, my, what I've seen through the years. Interestingly enough, I've been at the forefront of technology in a number of spaces. Uh, I was at the, inter, you know, coming out of college, I was actually at the intersection of polymer chemistry and electronics. Interesting. Uh, it was my first, first job out of school. So I was selling concepts to IBM, Kodak, Xerox from a company that was very strong in polymer chemistry. And so, you know, adhering copper to Kapton tape for flexible circuits to run a printer, you know, as an example. Craziest one I ever built was uh, using a foam that was actually the, the, the genesis of the foam were Converse All-Star sneaker uh, insoles, <laughs> but literally an insole uh, material that then we bent some copper pieces of copper and plated them with gold. And they actually were an interposer between a large chip array and an IBM motherboard. Huh. Companies, they paid a lot of money for it. Never ended up in production, in ultimate production, but, you know, the prototype at MVP, you know, there was some, they needed to get a level of wipe on the, on the contacts when that uh, array came down. So it was, you know, it was an interesting concept. People try things and some things work really well and other things maybe not so well, but then moved on to the contract manufacturing space. Again, when that was fairly early on and then information security right around Y2K, help build a managed security, one of really the first managed security service firm in the uh, financial sector. So we were endorsed by California, New York, Massachusetts, Texas bankers associations and, uh, and all. So I think, you know, just having an eye for where are things going? You know, as I, as I said, my dad, uh, my dad had to give up a, my grandfather was one of the first car dealers in New York state, literally the first car dealer in, in Syracuse, New York, they'd get wow. on the train. Well, to Detroit, get a car, drive it back and sell it in a storefront by, down by Syracuse University. And, you know, fast forward a few years, the three brothers, three different locations, but all essentially the same franchise organizations through the Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, DeSoto, uh, back in the day, uh, franchises. But then, you know, again, that 
generation didn't evolve well or didn't, you know, sometimes move as quickly. Right. Right. And and so I've just had a keen sense for trying to look at where are things going and, and what what are going to what are the things that are going to make a difference and help people achieve things? Because, you know, there's nothing worse than irrelevance. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So how do you know when to stick or when to switch? I've never been perfect at that. <laughs> Nobody. I don't, give up. I don't give up easy. Some people would say I should have, I should have uh, maybe not switched, but uh, you know, that, that, that I stayed long in this for a while, but it's paying, it's, it's certainly paying off. I think you, you feel it, you feel it in your heart. You know, you, you have to listen to that voice and that internal voice that says, you know, based on the data that I see experiences that I have, I really believe strongly that you're, you know, you're put in, positions and opportunities to make a difference that, uh, that, you know, your experiences, you know, you know, there's all those trite, not trite, but all those different things. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. What happened in the past prepared you for the future. I, I truly believe that I, you know, to keep this globe spinning, you know, good people have to do good things and there are forces that drive us to make that happen. Sure. So, so I think that's, I think that's a big part of it. And at the same time, you have to be a realist too, right? You have to look at the data. You, you can't get emotional about the decision. You have to look at the data. Are we making progress? Are people seeing benefit from what we do? And, and is it making a difference? And you know, is our heart in it? If our heart's in it, let's keep going. If our heart's not in it, you know, if it's a struggle, well, what's, what's causing that struggle? So Makes sense. What have been the biggest challenges in building SpiceX? You know, maybe early on, really believing what we had, what we had, that we were as, as, as capable as we were. And what do I mean by that? Is, or what I mean by that is that I talked about some experiences I had in my youth and stuff like that. I had an experience in my youth that realistically placed a lid on my sales or selling confidence, I guess, if you will. And I uh, learned about that recently. And, and, and removing that and realizing that that was an irrational thought way back when, you know, we've been able to accelerate, you know, accelerate the growth dramatically. We have bootstrapped the business and, and grown the business. Bulk of our team is in far upstate New York, a non-traditional, you know, uh, area for development of, of businesses. Though, interestingly enough, you look at the, the town that we're in, there's four universities that are extremely well known and uh, frankly have, have developed, you know, Folks coming out of those universities have gone on to do amazing things, you know, in technology and, and beyond. So I think that's uh, that's the other neat part about what's happened with technology is being able to build things. You know, you don't have to be in in Silicon Valley or New York or New York City or wherever. You can you can do things now that are disruptive and innovative in other areas. I like that. That's a really good talent. I mean, thinking about that, I mean, four universities, that's, that is a, a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. Great talent pool, you know, plus, you know, the local talent uh, is amazing because, because with four universities there, the primary and secondary education is tremendous, right? So, so not only do you have the universities, but you have the people who are, you know, from the local area who have been well-educated to, to come in and really do things. So the, the super important question is being in New York all this time, how do you become a Patriots fan? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, so back a uh, number of years ago, a uh, long time ago, 
my company wanted to build a tech center company I was working for at the time that it was a, a printed circuit board company. We were doing very advanced circuit boards, uh, controlled impedance for, for super advanced uh, systems and backplanes, communication systems heavily, right? So they wanted to build a tech center on the East Coast. It was a California-based company. And the choice was Atlanta or Boston. Being from the Northeast, et cetera, really loved, you know, Boston and, and all that. Convenient to parents who were getting up there in years. Again, I was the youngest by far. So that was pretty neat, too. And, and just, again, a great tech community and, and so many things going around the area and, and universities to access. And, and it was really the area where, you know, communications was really exploding. You know, you think about I-495, I-128, and all that was being built around there. Right. So... <laughs> Buddy of mine across the street invited me to a Pats game, and and interestingly enough, the next year, former coach of Syracuse University, I grew up in Rome, New York, an hour from Syracuse. Don McPherson came to be head coach for just a couple of years, and so I ended up buying a couple Patriot seats. And then, of course, Tuna shows up, got a few more seats. Yep. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm I'm at the Snow Bowl, and then on to on to the. Uh, Super Bowl, Brady's first Super Bowl, and Brady's second Super Bowl, and the Patriots' second Super Bowl. And after 10 Super Bowls, you kind of tired of the whole thing? <laughs> I don't know. No, you never get, tired? never get tired of that. Right, right, exactly. I mean, that said, it was fun, you know, keeping the tabs on Tom as he came down to Tampa. Because, uh, you know, I'm actually sitting in Fort Lauderdale now. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, yeah. It's a good place to be for sure. It is. It is. A lot of energy down here. A lot of really neat things going on in South Florida right now. A pretty good tech space down there as well. Yes, A sir. lot of activity. Very exciting. Very exciting. A lot of a lot of innovation, a lot of thought. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it's crypto and it's this, that, and anything. But there's there's web three. There's just just a lot of a lot of energy. It's exciting. Yeah. We hope to be a major part of that, or I hope plan to be a part a major part of that. So in looking at, at SpiceX and, and thinking about, you know, different industries to go after specific to, to no-code, low-code, how do you know when you have product market fit? Or how did you well, know in that case? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a few people, interesting early customers who, you know, wanted to build contact centers that were boutique in, in nature. And so they were looking for something to connect the phone system to the workflows that they needed to present to some, you know, to a person. So, you know, the part-time agent, the organization that was going to handle just, you know, a, a few different customers, all of the same ilk and issue. And so, you know, they came out looking for platforms like us. We ended up solving problems for them. Next thing you know, they got hundreds of seats on us and they've, they've really started to disrupt their, their space in their industry. So, um, you know, and now, what we're doing is, you know, we're very horizontal, as I, I said earlier, but we're working with and looking for, you know, subject matter experts that want to disrupt a vertical. And we'll put a plan together to go after that avatar, that solution, that space, and then expand through that. So, you know, however, all we know and all the deep experience we have with all the processes, workflows and, and capabilities we've, uh, we've built uh, to then expand. So how do you decide to go horizontal versus vertical? I mean, seeing companies succeed both you ways. Know, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I, a lot of people faulted me on. Sure. 
for years. And, and, and in one sense, if it was all about just plain straight wealth, we should have gone vertical. We should have just done a vertical specific and all. But it, the, the approach was so I, I just felt like the approach was so novel and so, so powerful that if we went and just did it in this vertical, that we, we, we wouldn't serve the ultimate, you know, make as big an impact as we could. And so, you know, being patient, taking a few more knocks and lumps, you know, it's paying off now. So, that makes sense. I don't know if that, I'm not sure that answered your question, but I think it, uh, I think you, you get where I'm going with that, right? It's, yes, yes. Well, I think it's an interesting decision because a lot of people would say you have to go vertical, but I don't think that's necessarily a have to because we've right. seen companies succeed both ways. But a lot of times you have to if you take money. We didn't take a lot of money. We, yes, that's true. Bootstrapping and building it ourselves. And, and now, you know, we'll take money as we grow because that will be our next phase will be to grow, you know, accelerate growth and we'll do that on our own terms. That's our goal. I think that's a, a real differentiator in that uh, I love bootstrap companies for one, uh, because you're really in control of your destiny, but then it gives you options later instead of giving away mm-hmm. a bunch of equity early. Now you're yep. really more in the driver's seat when you're ready to go raise. I mean, raising is not a bad thing, but I think doing it on your terms right. is oh, for a sure. much better way to do it instead of, you know, begging and, and giving up so much of your company early. Right. Right. And, and having the challenges of, you know, different visions, different, right. different goals and outcomes. Yeah. Prior lives. I've, I've, I've lived through those cycles. <laughs> I have too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's extremely painful. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, yeah. But options I think are really important, but enjoy the journey either way. That's right. right? Enjoy That's the right. journey. I mean, embrace it. You know, again, it, wake up every day. I just think that you got to wake up every day and embrace the journey. You know, if, if you're, if, if there's a challenge in front of you, again, look at it as a, I'm going to learn from it and, and not that it's going to kill me, but in some way it's going to make me stronger. You know, I, I look back at a few situations over the years and man, going through them, you know, you can look at it and go, why me? And, and all that, but you got to shake that off because then you realize right here, some experience says, <laughs> yes. wow, you know, the reason I went through that then is so I could perform better now or not make that mistake now, you know, at a time when I'm doing some more important stuff. Yeah. Making those mistakes when the stakes are, are low instead of when they're, yeah. they're high. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So if, uh, you know, I gave you a million dollars today and uh, you had to use it in marketing or sales, which one would you choose? Oh, marketing. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because because the more you market, the more sales you get, right? Now that to your point, you got product market fit. You know they got a follow guy Grant Cardone. They got to know you to flow you, right? So I would bend it straight on in marketing to drive marketing, then sales qualified leads, and then follow up, follow up, follow up. And 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 the other part of that is we're we're getting to frictionless now. So again, with a platform play, a lot of times there's the, you know, scoping and all of those types of things. But now with the recipes on the platform, the training tools, the things we're doing, we're going to be able to market frictionless and and such. So that's that's why I would lean toward marketing. You were surprised at that. 
No, actually, I, I think marketing is, uh, is, is in today's marketplace, I think marketing is more important than sales a lot of times because if you don't have marketing, sales has a really, really hard job to do. Uh, but when you have the marketing out there, I think so much is, even in the, the B2B market, it is still client-driven. So it's not, uh, they know they need a solution. They're looking for that. You're not going to call them up out of the blue and convince them they need something they've never heard of before. Exactly. I mean, you know, the decision 70% made by the time they're talking to a salesperson. Right, right. right. With the ability to research. And I, I got to tell you, I think with AI, it's going to happen even faster. Because again, you write the right prompts, and especially with the you know as the AI tools start to get more capable with you know not just the the trained information, but you know being able to cultivate and bring in current information, right? I've already asked you know what are my competitors, all that type of stuff. It's interesting. I get different answers from different sure different tools, um, but that's good too. <laughs> it is. It is really understanding. You know what is what is uh, somebody finding when they're researching. I think it's a real important thing to, to know and really kind of think about that. Yep. No, and then ask that system, how do I train you to, <laughs> to, right, to correct right. errors in your ways? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. uh, that's interesting. Uh, so how do you think AI is going to continue to change and evolve in technology? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, you, the timeliness of this question and this uh, today is pretty interesting. You know, the godfather of of AI just leaves Google. I don't know if you saw that yes. in the last couple of days, right? And, you know, with, with you know, ostensibly because of huge concerns and, and such. But obviously, you know, there are potentially concerns. But the other side of it is if, if, that it's being embraced, it's going to be embraced by so many people. And that's just going to accelerate, you know, the use of it. And um, and I, I do agree it's going to, you know, potentially eliminate role, some roles and positions in organizations. But the other side of it is every time technology comes, other opportunities occur. Right. It's going to create roles as well. I think it is. You know, I saw a quote the other day, AI is not going to take your job. Person using AI will take your job. So it's time to, you know, learn about it, embrace it and figure out how you use it to your advantage. So what's your take on, on guardrails or, you know, how do we need to protect consumers or the world from AI? You know, are the robots going to take over? $64,000 question. <laughs> million dollar question. This morning, so I'm, you know, on my feed that, you know, uh, supposedly uh, pitchy on, I guess, 60 Minutes the other night said something about, you know, AI did something it they didn't expect it to do. So, you know, I guess I believe that, you know, good always triumphs over evil. So I think good people doing good things, good's going to happen out of this. Um, do I think, you know, some bad actors will try to use it to their advantage? Probably. Do we need to control it? Yes. But who does? That's the question, you know. Yeah, to be we get into politics. We could get politics into politics <laughs> on this conversation. And I'm staying away from that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, you know, just seeing right. the, the world, and, and you know, Jeffrey Hinton, you know, leaving Google was a, a big deal, and uh, right. you know, him even saying, "I regret my life's work." I mean, it reminds me uh, Oppenheimer back at nuclear tests. You know, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, and kind of thinking about that. You know, we've just unleashed something on the world. 
and yep. uh, the world will never be the same. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, nuclear power is, is certainly a good thing. You know, right. nuclear war exactly. is not. Exactly. And, and, the, and the point is, if he didn't, somebody else would have. Right. Somebody would be right? I mean, nothing is a one-time thing, right? I mean, it's just time. You know, each, everything evolves over time. That's what I, I kind of believe. And I, I do think that, you know, we can get into a spiritual aspect and, you know, I, I guess it depends on your perspective. If you're just sure. here for now, well, but if there's something beyond, things happen and, you know, every day is the first day of the rest of your life. That's you know, right. Enjoy, That's right. Enjoy today and, uh, and make the most of it. You know, that's really, really what I believe. So I like that. So, Mike, where can people learn more about you and about SpiceX online? Sure. Well, obviously, they can go to our website, www.spicex.com. But they can also, if they're interested in, in AI readiness, we've developed a little uh, quiz. And it's uh, spicex.com forward slash AI quiz. I like it. And we'll make sure and link all of that in the show notes. I really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. And I want to keep touching uh, as we go forward. So definitely. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks again, Mike, for coming on the show and sharing your journey insights and power tips. You can learn more about Mike at spicex.com. That's spice, letter X.com. As always, all links, highlights, resources, full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. And be sure to check out our new YouTube channel as well. Full episodes, shorts, outtakes, funny stuff, and SAS growth tips as well. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a cordless drill pin for when you need to screw down your ideas on paper. Well, join us next time on our SAS Fuel Expert Series for John Gumas, author of Marketing Smart and the book Challenge Your Brand Marketing. He lays out the latest strategies for taking on the giants as a challenger brand. What does that mean to be a challenger brand? How do you do it? And most importantly, how to win. It's a really, really good book too, Challenger Brand Marketing. And then next Tuesday, our founder is Marina Burshkina, CEO and co-founder of Growth Channel. They're rocking the digital advertising space, doing amazing things to put you right in front of your ideal prospects. So they say like, I see you everywhere. It's an amazing tool and she is an incredible founder. You're going to love hearing from her. So I will see you next time. Stay cool. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.